this long silence of Advent's waiting begins to break. Slowly, hesitantly, into song as we listen to the first proclamation of the good news by the angel to the shepherds. To you is born a Savior, Christ and Lord. And then the multitude of angels appears and they praise God saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. The last four Sundays in a row we were not singing glory to God in the highest. We were not singing the Gloria at Sunday Mass. So it's so good to have it back. Thank you for, to Miss Helen and her music team where we can sing and praise the Lord. To glorify God and sanctify the people. That's the whole purpose of liturgical music. To glorify God and to sanctify all of us. Beautiful. So praise be Jesus Christ now and forever. The Jews' advent or waiting... That word Advent means waiting, lasted 1,500 years since the time of Moses. And our Advent waiting has only been three weeks and part of today, earlier this morning, this fourth Sunday of Advent. And here we are now, our solemn, glorious, liturgical feast day is finally here, where we celebrate the birth of the baby that made the angels sing. The prophet Isaiah, in our Old Testament reading, tells us that the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Who are these people? It's us, all of us, and the whole world, of course. What is the great light, the great light? Jesus Christ. What is the darkness? The darkness is the world without Christ. Subtract Christ from the world, and what is left? Only darkness. And there may be hope for the dawn, but the dawn has come. The Son of God has risen, and we now live in the light, in the knowledge of God. Not just the knowledge about God, a God who is absent or too far distant, but the knowledge of God, the God incarnate. A real, concrete, individual man with a human body and a human soul and a human name. Think of all the Old Testament prophecies about the Messiah. You hear different uh, takes on it. There's 200 to 800 prophecies of the Messiah in the Old Testament. They are not vague. They are not uplift, uplifting abstract ideas and ideals. They are prophecies about this concrete person who is just as concretely real as you and I are. For a child is born to us, not an idea not an ideal, not an aspiration, but a child. He was born just like every one of us. He lived like us. He died like us. But he was also, as Isaiah says, the mighty God, the wonder counselor, the God hero, the father forever, and the prince of peace. And then what happens? He's executed. And he rose from the dead. The whole purpose of Jesus coming here is to save us, right? His name means Savior, and the whole purpose was to go to the cross. Every day and at every Mass, God wants to fill our souls with new life. I'll say that again. Every day and every Mass, God wants to fill our souls with new life, supernatural life. 
his life. But he respects our freedom and awaits our consent. I often say he didn't create us as robots. He gave us free will. It's an act of love that God breathed us into existence or created everything, but an act of love for us to choose him, to love him back by putting him above every, any and everything. We must say what Mary said. And what did Mary say? She said, yes, let it be done to me according to your word. And what does Christ bring us? Christ brings us three things, three gifts, we could say. Three Christmas gifts, light, life, and love. Light, the light that can only come from God. From the divine mind, from the divine revelation, not from us, no matter how wise, smart, or technologically advanced we are. Second, he gives us life, the eternal life that only God can put into our souls. At that moment of conception, God breathes into us a teeny tiny little microscopic zygote, an immortal soul that will live forever. An immortal soul, that life, the eternal life that only God can give. The life that is stronger than death. And the third thing, love. Light, life, love. The love that is from God and that overcomes selfishness. That selfishness that all of us are born with, unfortunately, not our fault, but our problem. As the rector used to say at Mount St. Mary's Seminary, it's not our fault, but it's our problem. This selfishness that we are born with, this innate selfishness, our instinct, you could say. And that love that is stronger than our natural selfishness. That's what we get from Christmas from God. And we get these gifts in Christ and through Christ, light, life, and love. And these are what Jesus is, what Jesus is made of, and what Jesus gives us. Now take a moment and think of all the symbols, all the symbols of Christmas. The bright colors, the lights on the trees, our houses, the lights on our houses, the decorations, the living trees themselves, the gifts, the gift cards, the mistletoes, the banquets of good food, and even Santa Claus. All of these are only symbols of the one and only Christmas present that is infinitely greater than all the things in this world put together. And that is God giving us Jesus Christ. God gave us himself. Nobody ever gave a greater gift. And he gives us that Christmas gift right here each and every Sunday, each and every day in every Catholic church around the globe. How? In the most holy Eucharist. His light, life, and love. His most sacred heart. The true body of Christ. And listen to what St. Paul says. He's writing to Titus. This is our second reading today. The second reading that Holy Mother Church gives us on this most wonderful solemnity. In the inspired word of God through the mouth of St. Paul to Titus. The grace of our God has appeared. Saving all and training us to reject godless ways and worldly desires. Reject godless ways and worldly desires. Let's think about that this Christmas. Let's think about that and apply it to this past year. 
Let's think about that, how we're going to live this next year. Are we going to reject godless ways and worldly desires? Are we living for God or just for ourselves? Are we living for God each and every day? Or have we been giving in to godless ways and worldly desires? The Lord is clearly calling us, all of us, to live temperately, as St. Paul writes, justly, devoutly, in this age, as we await the blessed hope. And what is that blessed hope? The blessed hope is Jesus Christ. What is that hope as Catholics? We wait and hope every week, every Sunday we come to hear God's word, to start our week, and to be fed by Jesus himself. Sunday's not the last day of the week. Sunday's the first day of the week. We start our week by giving that day to God, the day of rest. And God gave us this day as a gift. And he knows we need this rest. We were all created to worship. If we don't worship God, we will worship another God, a lowercase g God. We worship someone or something else. We all have desires deep down that won't be satisfied by anything in this life except by God. And we all know what it is that we idolize or worship if we take a moment and sit and take an honest look at ourselves. God became one of us. He became the infinite God, became a finite mortal, a mere mortal. He became one of us as a little baby in Bethlehem. God became one of us to show us who he is, to show us how to live. Why? So we can get to heaven. He wants us to get to heaven. But if we're not worshiping him, loving him above everything else, will we get there? Are we on the path to salvation? Are we on the path to heaven? Or are we on a different path? And if so, today is the day. Today is the day to give yourself the best Christmas gift and accept the greatest Christmas gift ever given, the gift that God gave to humanity, the gift that God gave to all of us, and that is his son, Jesus Christ. Do you need to open that Christmas gift? Jesus is always there for you, for me, waiting, waiting to, for you to accept the gift, the gift of himself. When you accept this gift of Jesus Christ in your heart, you make that conscious effort to follow him and worship him and pray and spend time with him every day. He loves you. He loves all of us. He desperately desires a relationship with you. One of the last words on the cross is at the end of John's gospel, when right before Jesus dies, he's hanging there, crucified, nailed to the cross, and Jesus says two words, I thirst. He thirsts for all of us. He thirsts for all of our hearts. He thirsts for our love. You can find those exact words in every missionary of charity convent around the world, and there are a lot of them. Mother Teresa's sisters, two words, I thirst, written right under the crucifix in their chapels, on the walls. Jesus thirsts. He became one of us 
humble, lowly, poor, and naked, a helpless little baby under Joseph and teenage Mary's care and protection. We have a humble God. We have a loving God. And he desires, he thirsts for our love. He thirsts for your heart. He thirsts for your everything. He knows what is best for us. He knows, or he wants us to worship him and love him above everything else and everyone else. Are we going to reject godless ways and worldly desires? Are we going to live this next year temperately, justly, and devoutly? Are we going to live life as true Catholic Christians, awaiting the blessed hope of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? He gave himself for us to deliver us from all lawlessness, lawlessness and evil. He came into this world to save us. He was born in Bethlehem to die in Jerusalem on the cross for us. We were built, we were made to worship. God gave us the greatest gift, the greatest gift of all that first Christmas, his son Jesus. Jesus waits for you to give him a gift in return, the gift of your heart. The gift of you making room in the inn of your heart for him each and every day. St. Therese of Lisieux, the little flower, she said this, Do you realize that Jesus is there in a tabernacle expressly for you, for you alone? He burns with the desire to come into your heart. Jesus has done everything for you, everything for us. Can you do something for Jesus? Open your heart to Jesus and receive the greatest Christmas gift ever. Amen, and may Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, the Holy Family, intercede for you tonight and always. Amen.